0: Hi, right, good morning. Um, Sri Lanka's uh, Arigaliya in 2022 is sometimes described as unique and unprecedented. Uh, so many will have an understanding that varies with their perspectives and experiences, almost as if looking through a kaleidoscope at different parts of patterns. Uh, today, I am uh, delighted that Dr. Sanjana Hattodua will take us through some of the social media and data from that time, uh, especially the period from March to July, 2022. Uh, A couple of housekeeping points. There are accompanying slides, which I highly recommend having access to and referring to during this space. Uh, The link to the slides is pinned on my Twitter page. Uh, We expect this space to last for around two hours. Um, and following Dr. Hattoduo's presentation, uh, there will be a and a opportunity. Uh, once again, thanks, uh, Sanjana, for uh, all the hard work you've done on this and making the time today uh, on a public holiday before you here for us to uh, take us through a snapshot, uh, as you've titled it, Competing Stories, uh, Experiencing the Aragalea Through Social Media. Um, and so over to you. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Priyanga, and thanks for the invitation to um, do this to the space, which is a highly unusual format for what I have in mind. And as Priyanga said, it um, really only works if you have the PowerPoint that was posted a couple of days ago. Is pinned on my account. Is pinned on Priyanga's account. Um, it's an online, um, uh, it's a link to the online version of it um, and um, what I say will only really make sense if you have that PowerPoint open up uh, in front of you. Um, so if you haven't done it already, please do it um, and you can follow along with um, the slides which are numbered on the bottom right. So I'll keep referring to that number as I proceed. So. Um, as I said, this was a, this is a highly unusual format to deliver this. Um, it is a lecture that I delivered in January um, to a crowd of about sixty or seventy people, um, and there was a, there were many requests thereafter, after through word of mouth it had spread whether I would be able to do it for a larger audience, um, and I was going to do it, but then Priyanga invited me to do it, so. Here we are in this Twitter space. Um, the first slide, I mean, the title slide, really, is a play on the degree to which the Aragalea was presented and represented on Meta's product and platform surfaces, um, Instagram pages, groups, um, and, of oh, course, cool. WhatsApp and Messenger.
0: Um,
1: and I wanted to kind of have that play on words because, at the end of the day, what I ended up studying over 2022, end of March to around August, that in in in, in with, with a particular emphasis was the ways through which the Aragalaya was surfacing on uh, social media platforms like Facebook, um, and the degree to which also uh, these social media platforms algorithmically and otherwise shaped the public perceptions of and engagement with the Aragale, including mobilization, engagement, perceptions, attitudes, responses, and reactions. Um, The second slide is a snapshot of the manner in which I looked at the Aragale. Some of you may know that I'm not in the country uh, and I haven't been in the country for a while. I came back, I, I am in New Zealand. I came to New Zealand in 2018 to do my PhD and I've remained in the country um, after I completed my doctoral research, which is also looking at Sri Lanka. But for the course of 2022, I came back after three years in November 2022, but I was away from the country for the duration of the height of the Aragale, as it were. Um, And so I think it's quite important to frame the degree to which I studied it every day um, using um, the tools that I had used for my doctoral research and an expansion of some of that um, to really look at what was going on uh, every day with regards to what many of you, at least in the country, were experiencing physically and in situ. I mean, you were literally on the ground I was looking at it in a very, very different way. Um, and so, you know, the, those numbers are very large. I mean, they go beyond anything that I know researchers in Sri Lanka have um, captured. Um, you know, a thousand Facebook pages and a thousand Facebook groups were linked to my doctoral research, including the number of gossip and mean pages. But additionally, um, I also looked at about a thousand Facebook pages and about the same number of Facebook groups that had organically kind of sprung up um, in relation to the Aragale. Now, some of these pages and accounts were entirely new and and, and related to the Aragale and were only the consequence of the Aragale. but there's also interestingly um, through things like the changing the name or changing the content uh, or and the intent of existing Facebook pages and groups that were the the, the reshaping of these accounts to deal almost exclusively with uh, content and commentary and frames and narratives and perspectives, uh, including ground truth reporting uh, from and on the Aragale at the time. So these are very large number of pages. Um, and I also looked at the hashtag #GoHomeGota on Insta, um, including extending to TikTok and YouTube, um, and of course, a lot of online web-related content say Twitter, you know, and so this was a a very, very large-scale capture and analysis um, uh, that I engaged with every day to look at the Aragalea and its evolution uh, in real time almost. And so that's kind of what the third slide is about, where uh, because of the time difference, I'm uh, about uh, seven hours ahead of Sri Lanka. Um, Some days it made it easy, some days it made it bloody, bloody difficult um, uh, to kind of keep pace with what was unfolding, almost in real time. But on the thirty first of March, I was looking at what was going on, and I think for many present uh, there, and I mean, some of you may be in on this uh, Twitter space uh, who were present at the time, uh, that crowd as well. But uh, this was the this was some of, some of the, the the first representations of what, by the way, at the time wasn't called the Aragale. Um, Nobody quite knew what it would lead to and end up in, and I don't think that anybody imagined it would evolve into what it did over the course of 2022. But the bus burning and the narrative around who set the bus alight, um, the crowd and what they were calling for, the representations of the crowd, um, the slogans, the chants, um, and then, even then, very evident to be content from the crowd, representing the crowd uh, using their smartphones um, was were some of the first images um, that migrated from even then what was a discernible signature around the more localized neighborhood protests, you know, with sars and, you know, the more neighborhood candlelit vigils um that had uh, originated for a long time before um the 31st of March so that that content signature was also present but the 31st of March is what we call a, a tipping point on a step change it um, based on what you see in that slide really um stepped up um uh, its representation of what at the time was also a public frustration if if you know the protests weren't monocausal but if anything can be pegged to the protest and its late motives on that day, it was the spilling over of public anger and frustration around what at the time I think were around 14-hour power cuts. Um, and, you know, the, the people were just fed up. And if anything, that was the kind of dominant content frame and narrative frame that one could see at the time um, on Facebook So slide four, you know, is an interesting one um, because almost immediately uh, the then President Gotabe Rajapaksa, for the first time of any public political account uh, in the country, and I can say this with some authority because I've been studying um, uh, social media and meta and Facebook uh, since January 2010 in an unbroken way. And January 2010 is significant because it was the first presidential election after the end of the war. And also the first time that one saw disinformation being employed um, between the two front-line contenders then who were Sarat von and Mahindra Rajapak. So so I've been looking at and studying social media's evolution, um, particularly with regard to political communication and disinformation since then in an unbroken gaze. And um, this was the first time that... uh, certainly. uh, uh, the account of a president, the, but frankly of any political um, uh, uh, account of of, of, of of any politician closed off completely who could comment. Now, um, this was noticed by uh, Prasad um, on Twitter, uh, and I actually didn't believe it um, because it was so extraordinary, so exceptional, so incredible that I had to go and check, and it was true. Um, and uh, that then was an immediate um Indication of what could have been, uh, even at that early stage on the 31st of March, um, very clear signals that the presidential media unit and social media team might have got around a complete inability to deal with a tsunami of commentary uh, in uh, targeting uh, the president in, in sig- uh, featuring significant anger. Um, but as you all know. The one thing that you can't stop is reactions. So reactions on the account of Gotabe Rajabaksa became a proxy indicator of what the public were thinking, and fascinating stuff, really. Um, so if you take a look at the account uh, over that period of time, say from the last week of March to uh, the, the 9th of April, um, and the, the account itself stopped posting content, um, but whenever it did post content, uh, the dominant reaction were, were the two dominant reactions were anger and risible uh, uh, responses, meaning that it was the ha ha, which indicated laughing at and not laughing with, and so uh, people were basically laughing at anything that the then-president's Facebook, official Facebook account was putting up uh, on Facebook, even though the commentary was completely stopped and restricted. So reactions became a proxy indicator, and it just got worse over time, really. I mean, you know, if uh, reactions are a proxy indicator of public legitimacy, and without public legitimacy, one can argue in political science... You can't really rule. Uh, it was very evident if, face, if the official Facebook page is a marker of it, that Gotabe had completely lost it as early as 31st March, um, which is very, very clear also in terms of uh, uh, Slide six's capture of uh, the angry reactions, which you can see um, grew in significant volume. Um, over just those uh, first two weeks of what became to be known as the Aragalea. So laughter and anger, were proxy indicators of a complete loss of legitimacy, really. Uh, quite interesting, and I come back to this with regards to, obviously, the veneration um, that the gentleman had received as recently as, for example, um, November 2019 in the presidential election. Uh, or even with, say, for example, the first, um, the first responses uh, in 2020 uh, to COVID-19, um, uh, uh, the, the pandemic. So, slide seven uh, talks about irrepressible narratives. Uh, and I wanted to kind of uh, recapture and present some of what was dominant in the Facebook pages and Facebook landscapes and colleges, um that I studied. And, uh, you know, and to go through some significant moments and dates where that narrative shifted um, in a significant manner. So slide eight deals with uh, the third of April, uh, where you had several uh, important uh, or significant things occur. Uh, the chairman of Victor resigned. Uh, and, and, and remember, this was a time when uh, there was also a social media block, which I'll deal with in the following slides. But... You had a farcical situation where the very means through which the PUCSL um, communicated to the broader public when there would be power cuts and essential services and updates on essential services, they couldn't do it. Uh, And so it was a bizarre situation where the Public Utilities Commission had to tell the government, can you please unlock everything because we can't do what we are supposed to do. Uh, And then it was, in in, in the sense of um, the complete blocks of social media, it was one of the um, shortest-lived social media blocks that um, I've studied since March 2018. And one at the time was uh, the rioting um, targeting the Muslim community. Uh, And so on slide 9, I, you know, show us a a tweet that I made at the time where uh, it was a bit bizarre that the response of the government was to do the social media block and that they, that they thought it would somehow contribute to controlling the narrative from their end, from their perspective, and prevent uh, the generation and the propagation and the promotion and the production of narratives and content and commentary in opposition to the president and the then government. Um, so it's quite strange And perhaps quite revealing also that that was what they were thinking um, uh, would would be the effect of uh, the social media block. But of course, it was the complete opposite. So slide 10 shows uh, the historical moments when uh, in 2018 and then also after the Easter Sunday terrorism in May and June uh, in 2019, that the government did similar things um, with uh, social media to... Block it and thus prevent, um, uh, well, either inconvenient fruits or content that it thought were damaging from spreading. Um, so every time this has happened uh, since 2018, what you found is that people go and search for VPNs on Google. So those spikes that you see are spikes in search, what we call search provenance, um, and the search provenance. Uh, spiked the most in April 2019. And the point about this is that it's cumulative, right? So um, those who installed or knew about or learned about VPNs over the past couple of years uh, already had the knowledge and or the apps on their devices. So the social media block was really quite useless. Um, And those who didn't um, resulted in another search search spike uh, on Google, which meant that You know, people just went and downloaded a VPN and then continued merrily with the production of content related to and partial to the Aragade. So on slide 11, it was very evident that the production of content on Facebook simply didn't dip. It it showed no correlation with what at the time was a 15-hour block because the production of content just continued unabated, which is entirely significant, really, when you think about it. And uh, it was also counterproductive because it just made people angrier. And, you know, we are really good at dark humor. And there was a spike in the production of me targeting both the president as a person, but also the government um, with regards to the social media block. And that other thing that I I discovered, uh, again, that's a tweet from the time, was that if anything declined, it was the number of followers on Namai's, Binders, and Gotabe's Facebook pages. Now, this is historically unprecedented. And you will hear me talk, you know, use the word unprecedented, uh, significant, uh, never seen before, um, quite regularly in the course of the next hour or so, because a lot of what happened during the Aragalia was that it had no historical precedent um, with regards to political communication Um, and this kind of mobilization and this kind of content production and engagement and commentary uh, on social media. So one of the unprecedented things was this uh, mass um, unfollowing of the first family's official accounts on Facebook. By the way, this continued throughout the year. Um, And, you know, it, 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 it was so incredible because... You've never seen it before. And it continued at greater pace after the social media block because it really incensed um, the population, particularly the demographic on social media. So they they, they continued to unfollow. And this also can be read as a a political signal and a proxy indicator of, as I said earlier, that loss of legitimacy um, by both the president uh, and the then government. Uh, so, there was also the production of memes and I'm now on page uh, or slide 12 and I wanted to take you through some of uh, the memes that generated the most engagement um, and engagement here is a measure and recognition of um, uh, appeal and resonance. So, on slide 13, you find some of the earliest uh, uh, content in, in by by late April you had a lot of content around what ordinary people, or or presentations of what ordinary people had to go through at the height of the fuel um, shortages, the petrol diesel shortages. And so this was written with uh, a very pro-social frame, um, flagging and highlighting the existential crisis of uh, individuals like three-wheeler owners uh, and day-wage laborers um, at the time, so there were there were hundreds there were thousands of of these these kinds of uh, updates uh, and photos and memes on 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 slide fourteen, you know this is after what happened on May nine. Um, there was a, 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 a I'll talk about it a bit later as well. there was a tsunami, a deluge of content uh, critical of and framing what happened uh, at uh, GGG. Um, But there was also at the same time um, this um, production of mimetic content critiquing the cost of living crisis. And it's also very, very funny stuff, you know. So um, it was also, and it can be read as a release mechanism. You know, people were quite literally dying of hunger, you know, skipping meals. And these were the first indications of how significant it was. And so it's, it's darkly funny. Um, and you can see that, you know, in that in that meme on the right-hand side, it, it, the, the sheer number of shares, um, and we call this organic shares. So it's, these are not uh, boosted posts, and these are cross-personal accounts as well. And you can see that the numbers suggest significant resonance and relevance to what people were facing and feeling at the time. And then on slide 15, you find also the representations of um, the mega-projects, for example, the Lotus Star in Colombo, uh, reframed um, through uh, the political activist lens and the Aragalaya lens at the time. So this was in June. Uh, and then you also find by the time, you know, the fuel crisis was really quite entrenched, um, memes that critiqued um, the regression of Sri Lanka's development, but memetically presented as, quite funnily, as the progression or the development of Sri Lanka, and again, these are just two of the most engaged with memes at the time, but it's unrepresentative insofar as the sheer number of memes at the time, uh, which were generated and propagated and engaged with, um, or, or just on uh, Facebook pages. Um, and then you had the Kaputukaka phenomenon, uh, that tune, uh, which was represented on 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 facebook um through longer videos like this i mean this is a a fairly long video if you go to it um that featured the couple cart, cart, uh, song or tune um in a larger video production that was targeting and critical of, of the president um and you know there were thousands of this kind of uh content and updates and posts just on Facebook groups and pages. But the, but the next slide, slide 17, and if you're looking at this on your computer or your own device, this is actually a video that will play. Um, and it features um, a, a, a YouTube video that was uh, significantly shared on Twitter and Facebook at the time. Um, And you can see that the YouTube video alone got over a million views. Um, And it was one of the first to represent something quite fascinating, which was um, the trains with their horns, horning to the tune of Kaputukhaka. And again, not just this video, but there were hundreds of other videos of other trains at other junctions and other uh, railway crossings that uh, were disseminated on social media, YouTube included. Um, that featured train horns horning to the tune of Kaputukaka. And again, just that representation, um, moving from offline developments through to the representation and the dissemination of the engagement online, are historically unprecedented um, uh, as 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 political uh, as developments capturing political activism on the ground and their representations online. So, slide 18 features two memes that are, in a, in a sense, quite different. By the time, and quite heartbreakingly, as you know, uh, there were people dying uh, at uh, fuel queues or just waiting for gas. And so, there was a lot of public commentary and, and, and updates um, that captured their death and captured their lives and captured the context of their passing. And obviously, in very very critical ways. Um, but in Sinhala, you would call this Sangvedi. So it was very sympathetic and empathetic with um, the, the victims and the families of the bereaved. Um, and it was uh, it was at the outpouring. You can see that the dominant reaction there is crying or sadness. So there was this outpouring of sadness around uh, the deaths, which had um, which were consequential to. Um, the fuel shortages and other shortages at the time, and then conversely, there was also this incredible celebration of humanity. So, you know, there were these singers and other people who demonstrated, uh, you know, by giving, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, by by giving up their cue, their, their position in the queue to another person, uh, by aiding an older person, by a- aiding somebody who was visibly more distressed. Um, by the camaraderie and the uh, the pro-social attitudes, by the sharing of a of a, of a bottle of water, um, or or just you know just gathering around and singing by that or or supporting each other while they were in the queue, taken by individuals in the queue, uh, and also this kind of representation celebrating um, you know uh, people who were discovered to be queuing up, um, who were famous singers. So there was a lot of pro-social uh, capture. Um, or life at the queue, I suppose, in a way. Um, and so, you know, this was also a dominant narrative that by June was very evident. And then by July, you saw um, two representations. One, of course, is uh, what occurred um, in front of temple trees and that, you know, that 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 that, that very violent day. I mean, you know, it's, you know, very violent day, but also very um, significant day for other reasons. Um, but there was a representation of, and also very interestingly then at the time and around this particular post, but also many others, uh, very, very critical captures of the military. Um, and very very, and, and this is also quite very, very significant. And I don't need to tell those on the call, you know, the veneration and the genuflection in front of the military and the militarization and soldiers and those with guns are completely dissipated on this day. And then for... Um, a short while thereafter, where the where the anger was directed at people who opened a live fire targeting those in front of timber trees. And then, of course, what was also very viral at the time was uh, things like um the CCTV footage from Katrinaka um featuring uh, Basil trying to get out of the country. And there were again hundreds and if not thousands of permutations of that CCTV footage as still footage, as videos, um and 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 the subsequent dissemination and engagement uh, just on, on Facebook. But slide 20 is where it gets a bit interesting. Um, and I'll come back to this a bit later. By mid or late, by the third or second or third week of July, we already see two different narratives emerge uh, around Ranil Vikramasinghe. Um, so one, what you call meta-narrative, one large narrative was favorable to Ranil. Um, seeing him as a saviour and what we now would identify as the stability trope. Um, The other was entirely critical of Ranil. And again, what is now far more entrenched and, you know, much more present and and studied. um, And and seeing and presenting uh, and capturing Ranil as somebody who was uh, in the service of the Baksas and merely continuing with um, whatever that um, the Rajapaksa family uh, represented so there were competing narratives by by July, so I wanted to kind of look at in the next slide, slide twenty one, uh, some of the representations of politics um, and political communication um, through what I call you know these are called junk news pages, but you know these are gossip pages, low generally low quality uh, news pages that at the time complete almost exclusively. Um, were around the Aragalea and for the aragalea so two very different things. Not only were they focused on the Aragale, but almost ex- exclusively, um, they were partial to um, the Aragalea's core narrative as well. And likewise, with um, around 440 uh, pages that uh, were around were, were around the production of memes. So on P- uh, on slide 22, I mean, this is really incredible because and for a number of reasons i mean one is that you know i i, I tweeted at the time that i didn't know how the telco towers coped, uh, because this was also a time when you know the the power backup for these towers were failing uh the power blackouts the grid blackouts were so long that the generate the power generate uh, backup generation just wasn't designed Um, for that. And so uh, it was really curious as to how there was so much of content production and engagement um, on those two consequential days uh, on the 9th of May and the 9th of July. Uh, This is, I mean, this is not just historically unprecedented. It, It eclipses anything that I studied during doctoral research around the March 2018 unrest around the 52-day constitutional coup or crisis from October to December 2018, around the aftermath of the Easter Sunday terrorism in April 2019, and around the presidential election in 2019 in November, and then the first half and the second half of uh, 2020's response to the pandemic, and also that year's general election. So I've looked at uh, a couple of significant events and developments from 2018 onwards, and I've kind of also looked at every single imaginable consequential political development from uh, the January 2015 presidential election onwards, and I've also looked at consequential developments around the instrumentalization and weaponization of social media from 2012 onwards, and the rise of Janasara, Thero, and the Bodhubala Sena. So again, it's with a very long gaze that I can assure you that this is historically unprecedented and incredible in the fullest sense of the word. So these numbers are really quite extraordinary uh, and would present the interest in the content that was being produced at the time around the Aragale and partial to the Aragale um, from the country and to the degree that can be determined was also engaged with by individuals and accounts from the country. So, just to make it very clear, to the extent determinable, um, this engagement wasn't coming from outside the country, it was um, in large part uh, not just produced by people in the country, but also consumed by individuals in the country. So, for example, uh, an easy way to understand this is that the representations of what was happening at GGG um, resonated and reverberated around the country through social media. So. It was not just uh, those around GGG and present at GGG that were engaging with um, this content. Um, it was social media users across the country. Um, uh, and uh, a lot of the content was also being reproduced, so, refeatured, reposted, uh, also um, and nationally, uh, uh, to the extent that can be determined um, across Sri Lanka as well. And so these are just radio views. And again, I mean, this defies comprehension so again i just keep, you know just keep in mind that you know you guys know more than most how how uh, difficult um it was um, to keep just the mobile phone alive uh, and how difficult telcos would have found to keep their data services alive um and these numbers you know are uh, are 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 very very significant um and they would be pegged to, you know, thousands of videos um, uh, just on those two consequential days, but whether they are live stream videos that were viewed live or whether the live stream videos that were subsequently asynchronously viewed after the fact. So after they were transformed into Facebook uh, videos, um, uh, these numbers are, are very, very significant. Um, and I say, And I keep saying that these are coming from non-traditional non mainstream uh, page constellations that were representing capturing promoting producing and presenting the aragalea in ways that were deeply partial to the core narrative of the aragalea so they were supporting it they were they were um, creating a pedestal for it and a platform for it and then likewise with the post production this is quite significant because there were lots of people talking about the aragalea they were they were they were they were I mean, largely single also, um, they were putting up content either, you know, from particular locations or just talking about it, you know, just saying, you know, hey, we should support it or this is what I am doing in my house or in my neighborhood, even though I'm not in Colombo and even though I can't get to Colombo uh, because I don't have petrol or diesel. Here's what I'm doing. Um, here's me painting the road. Here's me chalking up a wall. Here's me changing my profile look at me, um, you know, doing something in support of the Galea. So there was a lot of uh, self-representations of partiality to words and the open uh, presentation of being, um, of of, of a sadness even, of not being able to participate physically at GGG, for example, but this plethora, this deluge of posts that were partial to the Galea. Uh, just on on those two page uh, and group constellations. So as I said earlier, I also looked at, and for the first time, around a thousand pages and around the equivalent number of Facebook groups dealing specifically with the Aradalia that arose or were created as a consequence of it, or as I said earlier uh, on slide 25 is where I'm at if you uh, lost track, Uh, or as I said earlier, um, uh, shifted the original page or group's uh, intent to deal almost exclusively with the Aragalea. So here too, I mean, these are like, uh, you know, this is very different to the uh, the earlier page constellations. Uh, these are page and group constellations exclusively dealing with the Aragalea. And, you know, the numbers are mind-boggling, right? I mean, so there were about 200 interruptions a second for pages on the ninth of July, on that consequential day, and around fifty-four uh, for groups. I mean, this is this is extraordinarily high. Um, and again, these numbers cumulatively are very, very significant. Um, and so, this again on just the page and group constellations dealing exclusively with data, the layer suggests the degree to which uh, there was a social media uh, uh, tsunami really at the time. Uh, in support of it, and then again, the video views are also extraordinary. um and uh, you know it's it, I mean, we go into the billions. it's not just the hundreds of millions. so um you know the, the the cumulative total from May to to July um is is extraordinary. I mean i I can say that you know, even with uh, significant moments here in New Zealand, uh, like just over a year ago, when they had a very large parliament uh, protest in front of New Zealand's parliament, which was the largest protest that this country has faced uh, on social media <clears throat> and offline uh, in a generation uh, or more, um, it was nothing close to what one found and studied and captured out of Sri Lanka. So this was um, not just significant for Sri Lanka; this is significant with regards to the 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 the. the quantitative assessment picked to an offline political movement globally in any country, in any context. Uh, and so that's kind of the significance of the Aragale and its representations on social media. And again, uh, on sl- slide 28, we find um, those spikes in uh, post-generation as well. Um, here we find that, you know, the groups, and this is also due to the nature of groups, as you know, groups have joint authorship. So anybody in a group can post. So it's not surprising that groups have by order of magnitude more posts than pages, which are linked to one or a few at most individuals. So this is just the nature of uh, pages and groups. uh, And the the significant difference between the two is explained um, by what each um, does very differently. So, uh, you know, slide 29 is around the key narrative moments uh, during uh, the Aragalaya and how offline developments were umbilically and symbiotically linked to online representations and reciprocally how online representations and promotions uh, of the Aragalaya and the framing of the Aragalaya led to offline mobilization and offline uh, 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 responses to what was first seeded and germinated online. So this is a syncretic symbiotic relationship which is very, very, very interesting. And if there's any in, in a, if there's any uh, postdoctoral researcher uh, or any student of social media, I mean, I keep saying that um, the Argalia uh, is a lifetime's worth of study. Uh, for social media uh, analysis, um, it's a lifetime's worth of of data and content um, that you can uh, uh, you know study from any number of anthropological, sociological, network and social network analysis uh, perspectives. So on slide thirty, um, that's my I'm very very proud as I kind of put it up my nephew there. And I tweeted it at the time, but it, you know, he it, it, you know, he was not the only one. So it was a very interesting representation by the self mobilization of a younger demographic uh, in their teens or in their early twenties. So uh, 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 you know, every you know, the demographic uh, above thirteen through to say 22, 22, uh were were very active on TikTok and very active on Insta Reels, very active on Insta, and also uh, putting and promoting that content on Twitter and obviously Facebook as well. So that was an interesting demographic um, uh, perspective uh, to the content uh, at the time. Uh, And then there was with the hashtag, you know, it was, you know, unbelievable. I mean, it was not the only hashtag, so there were permutations of this um uh, so i just looked at in for the purposes of this presentation i just put up that slide on uh, GOTA go home but there was also go home GOTA uh, and all manner of permutations linked to gtg uh, so there were a lot of hashtags that were trending uh, at the time and every you know every one of those hashtags um had thousands of uh, posts and this is out of uh, uh instagram alone uh, and, and 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 TikTok, you know, had had an equivalent number, and sometimes even more uh, linked to particular hashtags. Uh, and then, of course, it was as I said, a very very clear, even very early on, um, that video content was going quite almost uh, you know, particularly from from and on GGG. Anything on GGG and from GGG was from the very early days through to the 9th of July, almost guaranteed virality Uh, and it was extraordinary and you know some of the numbers um, I've already already covered. So on the 17th of April where they had that precision light mapping it was only for a few minutes before the police cut the par but I was tuned into it some people folks actually DM'd me and said hey Sanjana this is what um, you should expect Um, so I was looking out for it Uh, it was no less magical for me to see it and, you know, this was one of the first moments where I really longed, longed and pined to be in front of, uh, to be at GGG and in front of the old parliament secretariat uh, to actually see this. And, you know, there were innumerable permutations, still photography as well as video uh, around the precision mapping um, and what was represented in the precision mapping. So it was not just the oohs and as about the precision mapping as a technique that was also employed for the first time in uh, struggles such as this. But it was also the representations through the artistry um, that people were also engaging with. Um, And, you know, slide 32 has um, slightly better photos. uh, But as I said, um, these photos were taken off uh, innumerable permutations uh, on Twitter and every social platform, like everyone. Insta through to TikTok, through to groups, through to pages. Um, It was just all over the place. Um, Slide 33 is around Hira and, um, you know, both what he said when he was accepting the award in London um, and then, you know, um, his subsequent uh, coming over uh, to join the Aragalia, you know, right from the time that he, you know, landed at Katanayaka and the first uh, media. Uh, comments that he gave at Uh through to, I mean, uh, I couldn't put it up on this presentation, but one of the slides that uh, one of the rather the the photos that went viral at the time was of Hiran. The morning after um, uh, something had happened, he was he he was going around picking up garbage, and so somebody had taken a shot of him, uh, and then it, th- that shot went viral. Uh, you know, it was uh, incredible. I mean, all of the content was an outpouring of pride at a time when Sri Lanka had very little to be proud of, an outpouring of pride um, that Iran had not just won the award that he did in England, but had come down, and, you know, both in his acceptance speech, but had come down to be part of the Aragalia. So there there was an innumerable number of posts that went up uh, celebrating Iran. Uh, Slide uh, 34 is also a first of its kind, where this uh, industrious gentleman um, went up um, and to the cheers of those who were assembled on at the ground level and around the statue, um, blindfolded Banda Uh, and the symbolism of it, the very act of doing it and the representations online of the act were individually um, quite significant And that led to also, in terms of the commentary around the representations of photos like this that went up in various permutations on the respective social media platforms, led to commentary that was really very interesting around Banda's contribution to the ethno-political conundrum of the country, the Tamil national question, and racism's structural entrenchment after uh, independence and particularly after um, what he, the singular only act. So um, there was a really interesting commentary around uh, this kind of photo that went viral. Um, then on slide 35 you had the singing of the national anthem but also interestingly uh, because of pushback that uh, a group got for only sing- singing it in Singhala. And so there was a lot of pushback saying hey this is the Aragalaya, let's not represent and continue with uh, the exclusion of Tamil. And responding to that, that group went the next day and sang the national anthem in Tamil as well. And so that, not just for the first time, when they sang it only in singular, which was also a viral moment, but the second time that they also sang it in both languages. You know, and then, uh, you know, leading up to that, there was the, the you know, the people spread the lyrics in... Uh, in Tamil, uh, there was the transliteration of the Tamil lyrics into singular. So there's all sorts of commentary and content and engagement and discussions uh, 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 around, is there a Tamil version? Why is there a Tamil version? When was the Tamil version released? Who, who wrote the Tamil version? Why you know, and, and what is the legitimacy of Tamil version versus the singular version? So there was a whole spectrum of commentary uh, around uh, the national anthem and particularly the national anthem in Tamil. And then on slide 36, there was the first of its kind, so far as I am observed, anyway, uh, the remembrance and the commemoration uh, of the end of the war. And this was in May. Um, and, uh, you know, it was not just also what, uh, if you go to slide 37, um, you'll see um, the representations of what happened at GGG. Uh, but if you go back to slide 36, it's that second point that I make, uh, where it was not just the representations of what was performed at GGG. That was quite exceptional, significant, viral, and led to commentary and content production and promotion. But it was also the commentary and discussion around the end of the war. So here was in singular, uh, highly contested, often emotional, but also highly engaged with multi with multiple perspectives and a huge diversity of opinion around a contestation of the dominant narrative of um, the the, the simplistic projection of the victor and the defeated, of the army and the LTTE, of the Sinhalese and the Tamils. So here was a much more complicated uh, discussion, debate um, that went, as I said, beyond hagiography um, and the kind of dominant narratives that everybody on this space, at least, will be acutely familiar with. So that in and of itself was really very interesting. And again, those on this space will recognize and realize that uh, since 2009, this has been an endeavor uh, to create this kind of dialogue and discussion. And lo and behold, um, in 2022, um, you had that uh, you know that 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 diverse um, you know engagement with. Um, uh, a critical take on and land analysis of the end of the war in 2009. Then on slide 38, you also had gender identity and pride in pride, um, and pride in the open display of um uh, non-binary, non-cisgender, GLPTIQ presentations of um and, and queer presentations of um, sexual and gender identities. So, you know, again, I mean, this is quite extraordinary because um, till 2022, um, you only had this kind of championed by and held by uh, NGOs or civil society organizations that would be partial to or ex- exclusively devoted to um, uh, championing uh, these rights. But um, from the presentation through, through the rallies, uh, through to the celebratory discourse, of course, there was trans, queer and homophobic commentary and content as well. But when you looked at the kind of uh, commentary and content that was in support of uh, the representations uh, that you see up on this slide, it was quite extraordinary. And I would also submit that in my study of social media, uh, a unique moment, there's never been anything like it. Then on slide 39, you also had the interrogation of through the representations of Ramadan, the interrogation of the singular Buddhist nature of the state. So that is also very, very fascinating. So it wasn't just the the, the usual, uh, you know, Muslims are our brothers and, you know, they are one and we are with them and they are with us and that kind of rhetoric. It went beyond that. It went far beyond that. And it went into uh, the constitutional um, representation and location of Buddhism. Article 2, for example, um, the degree to which, um, you know, singular Buddhism uh, and, and Buddhism as a state religion had impacted on politics. So there was a really interesting engagement with uh, the, the role, reach, and relevance of Buddhism um, in the dealings and the construction and the imagination and the perception um, uh, of the state and state apparatus and successive governments since independence. Then on a uh, slight 40, I mean, this will play if you're seeing this on your local device or computer, this video, who to this day, I don't know who, who actually shot it, um, but this video went viral. Um, and it's quite extraordinary because it kind of went viral first on Twitter, then it migrated to Facebook and then it migrated to TikTok and then it kind of went um, viral on Insta as well, but it was, again, not just the representation of uh, uh, Monday Tuesday, Maudie Tuesday uh, Thursday rather, but again, it was um, a, a larger discussion, uh, a more interesting discussion around also Easter Sunday uh, and accountability and uh, you know, how, you know, who should be held accountable. And again, going back to those uh, discussions around the centrality of Buddhism uh, in, in in the state apparatus and architecture. Um, so on slide 41, um, there was a, <laughs> also something very, very interesting happening at the time where as you can imagine, you know, this was the narrative, I mean, that really there was nothing else um, of consequence on social media at the time. And so um, at a time when given the existential crisis, um, influencers um, found themselves in a bit of a tight spot because they couldn't go out, they couldn't buy products, they couldn't do lifestyle up, uh, posts and updates, um, they couldn't push out content and commentary that they were used to. Uh, they couldn't travel to hotels and other, you know, destinations that they were paid to promote. So what the hell do you do? Uh, and so uh, there was a very interesting appropriation of the hashtag Gota. So all of these influencers uh, that you see um, up on the next slide during the time, for example, I mean, you could see that they were kind of modeling, but they all had this hashtag because it is gaming the algorithm. Um, and so, you know, obviously it gives them more eyeballs if you put up the hashtag. So it has absolutely nothing to do with the Aragale, but they uh, were putting up posts, Aragale Jaya uh, And so, you know, they were kind of representing the, you know, partiality towards the Aragale, but not really being part of it or not being present at it. And so, slide 43 also shows uh, some other individuals. Now, some of them were at the uh, Argalia, at GGG in particular, um, and they did, did selfies, but it was self-promotion more than political um, uh, uh, participation and political framing. So you had a number of these, uh, these are just eight examples of uh, an entire constellation that I studied for doctoral research on influencers. And then this was also quite extraordinary because, you know, they had nothing else to do. And all they could do as a strategic, um, uh, 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 you know, a device to ensure that their accounts got visibility was to piggyback on what was dominant at the time. Um, and then on slide forty-four, you have something very, very close to my heart, which is the unprecedented explosion of protest art. Um, on social media, but I would argue and I've talked with individuals like Saskia Fernando and uh, Javi Singha and Channdrarup who are uh, and a, a lot of other artists who I know when I you know was in Sri Lanka in November, and none of them can, you know they, they're the old world that me you know and, and and many of them have lived through the Vishana and the 83 July riots and a lot of them have been activists um, and representing political activism through their art for their entire life. None of them, as artists or gallerists or curators, can remember anything comparable to or remotely approximating the production uh, and engagement with political protest art that one saw uh, emerge as a consequence of and in support of the Aradalem. Um, so I have a, a tweet thread that goes into the hundreds just Archiving for posterity, what I saw on Instagram, but it was not just Instagram; it was online, it was um, elsewhere as well. But you know, I, I, you know, I, I just couldn't manage anything more than I was doing at the time to capture what was just on Instagram. Aside from obviously everything else I was doing to try to capture for posterity what was going on in Daraga. But another a gentleman, Johan Dias, uh, did this amazing curation of protest music. And, you know, there's this YouTube um, playlist that, again, captures and archives for posterity um, some of the musical uh, output and content um, posted just to YouTube um, around the Aragala. And mind you, and I keep saying this, uh, this is just a sliver of the content. So, obviously, there was much more on TikTok, there was on uh, on Twitter, obviously, there was content as Instagram Reels and Instagram Videos. And obviously, there was content on Facebook pages and groups as well. So, uh, you know, I'm going to skip through these slides. You know, if you have the PPT on your devices, I the next three slides, slide 46, 47, and 48, are short snip, snippets, edited versions of Tatevi uh, by Nanda Malini. Um, then this other, Aragale Gita, by somebody called Tarindu Nirmana, um which is a kind of atishhop uh, you know it was like a a, 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 a a real protest song um uh, that was kind of linked to and represented the core narratives of the aragale uh, and then finally this um, uh, this uh, rap uh, extremely punchy um uh, verbal lyricism of moving you know, the uh, in, in, in in you know this cover art as well as the music was in you know subsequently you know put up on Facebook and, and YouTube. Um, and I I, I really love this song. I mean it, it's absolutely hard hitting um, And uh, the reason that I use these three examples though was from Vihara uh, Nanda through to that second protest song through to Vinod's you know, uh, music. They are three radically different genres. And that is also really what's what's very interesting. If you take a look at the, if you listen to the music, it was baila, rap, uh, protest music, um, you know, sometimes classical music, reshaped and re-edited to fit the Aragalia. So there was a diversity of um, production just related to the music that was Uh, in support of the Aragade. And slide 49, slide 50, and slide 51 deal with just a few snapshots of what, for me, is again another lifetime of study by students who are keen to look at the artistic representations the political critique, the pro-Aragalea articulation visually uh, and the genres represented in the protest art that was generated at the time. And what is not very clear here is that there were, to the extent that I could determine, uh, individuals as young as their early teens through to individuals who said they had never done anything like this in their life. So it was not so much that the, that the art was good, but it was that they were using art on sketchbooks that they took a photo up and put up on social media, or also they were doing something digitally, sometimes even on PowerPoint, that they said they were compelled to do as a consequence of what they felt around the Aradale. So this was really interesting. There was a lot of these were professional artists and digital artists and designers, but there's also a demographic diversity um, and an artistic uh, in terms of representation, a, rep- a diversity of genre uh, as well. And you know, on slide 51, the one at the bottom right, showing the testee, I'm mean, representing essentially, you know, the testes of Gautabia, you know <laughs> this, this is unimaginable, you know, as recently as November 2019 or as even as recently as 2020. And remember, this was not an individual who was represented once, when he was uh, DEFSEC for the entire duration of Mahindra Rajapaksa's two-term presidency. He was not represented in a single cartoon. The cartoon representation began after Siris election in January 2015. So this kind of representation, and by the way, this is the more politer versions of a lot of what was represented artistically um, was unimaginable and kind of captured the anger Uh, that uh, the Kota generated um, amongst those on social media. Slide 52 is also the cultural production. This was, again, I mean, it was unbelievable. And again, one of those moments where I felt I really needed to be there. And I was so envious of, I suppose, many of you, if not all of you, on this Twitter space for being present. You know, it's one thing to study this as I did on social media, but I was every sinew Um, of my body was yearning to be present um, at the places that these cultural productions were being performed. So slide 53 um, is the kind of uh, dance and music, live performances um, of a range of artists um, uh, moving to GGG uh, and sometimes oftentimes starting from Independence Square. Uh, And these are um, some, you know, it, again, it was not just uh, what was happening online, uh, offline, but it was the representations through some compelling video and photography that kind of created these viral moments around an outpouring of engagement around this kind of content. And this is, of course, very, the slide 54 is very close to my heart. Um, you know, I you know I love the Chitrasenas, I love what the Kaliathan air does. And, uh, you know, Tajis dance um, and its representations, starting with uh, what she did in front of the Independence uh, Square. And then, of course, Hubeka, uh and and Heshma and Taji and and and, and all, all, all the whole troupe, the whole Karayatane and their welvishers and other dancers and other drummers, you know, moving to GGG was a viral moment. Um, and again, unprecedented in the representations of political art uh, through dance and dance form. And then slide 55 is this amazing kind of uh, representation. Uh, again, this is a video that went viral. Um, obviously, everybody here knows what the SATA Care stands for, and everybody here knows and knew immediately what and who the specific media platform targeted was. So, this is not a critique of all media, but this was a very specific critique of a particular platform. Um, uh, or or set of platforms um, that were associated with and heavily critiqued for being partial to uh, the Rajabaksas. So uh, here we now get into the the, the more analytical perspectives, Uh, also, you know, coming towards the end of the presentation and lecture. Slide 56 is, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of capture how unique and interesting um, some of the presentations, um, you know, on that consequential day when uh, the crowd um, uh, stormed into uh, Temple Trees and the presidential secretariat respectively were in their presentation uh, online of what happened offline. So, uh, you know, slide 57 is on uh, the 9th of July. Uh, and then, as you know, and probably uh, if not all of you, some of you would have been present at, um, what happened in front of temperatures and, and, and the presidential secretary? So, okay, let me say that, you know, it's not in the presentation because it's hard to capture, but I was looking at what was unfolding in real time. So I had several streams open, I had several browser tabs open, and I can tell you, I mean, I get goosebumps when I even recount and recall this. Um, I think it was from Obiroy that the vantage I had at the moment in which the crowd um, rushed towards the entrance of the presidential secretariat. You know, time slows down, and that was a moment when it could have gone in a very different way. Also, given um, what was happening in front of Temple Trees, coterminously, simultaneously, um, on that same day. So, uh, I was on pins, and, you know, this was a moment when it could have gone a very, very different way, and it was incredible to see that crowd moving towards first a few and then this mass of, uh, you know, uh, of, of of people uh, moving towards the steps of the presidential secretary. So I've, I've never seen anything remotely like it. Um, and then you had on slide 58, uh, these representations. I mean, this is uh, something that went up in international media. But I mean, one of the things that I wanted you to, to focus on is and with every photo really I mean over the course of 2022 you know it's hard to find a hand without a smartphone. It's hard to find a hand without some sort of recording device. It's hard to find a hand with the smartphone not just held down but held up. Either taking a selfie or recording what's in front. And this is a, a clear representation of it. It's not the only photo. Slide 59 for example. I mean the are visual studies in and of themselves so any one of these photos would be a lifetime's worth of study but the sheer volume of photos produced by the people for the people at at the place in situ that reverberated and resonated and kind of um, spread virally online Individually and collectively are historically unprecedented moments and developments and content signatures. So it's really hard to capture it even in a lecture because of the enormity of what we are seeing. It's not just a photo. It is the enormity of the offline moment and the online movement and the umbilical connection and symbiosis between the two. Occurring in real time. So these are not just significant for Sri Lanka. I keep saying, because it is important, that as Sri Lankan scholars, we study this as Sri Lankans for Sri Lanka. Um, Because this is significant with regards to the use and embrace of social media in political mobilization globally. Uh, And so that's the kind of thing we are looking at. Uh, and then on slide sixty, uh, in the middle um, is something that is very very interesting, and many, at least on this Twitter space, and certainly even who are part of the Aragale, I may not recall that in the days after Citizen um, was voted into office, Temple Trees was also vacated, uh, and then you had Amante Pereira and Tarisha Bastians being one of the few journalists who actually went to Temple Trees and photographed uh, what was in temple trees because, of course, nobody had seen the bloody place. You know, you couldn't enter it. And Amanta, at the time, you know, photographed also um, the rooms with computers without hard drives. So it was a a really interesting snapshot into the innards of uh, temple trees. But what kind of sandwiches that photo in the middle was a very different kind of capture of temple trees. You know, people in and around the pool, jumping into it. Uh, and then you know this this extraordinary moment. I mean, bless the people who did this. Um, you know, there was also commentary. You know, you know what you know how to how to tune it into the cricket match that was going on. Uh, there was commentary and content. You know, essentially seeking assistance from Gotabia's social media team around how to turn on the TVs and what is the Wi-Fi password. So absolutely spectacularly funny stuff um, by people. And let me also say that. Another dominant content signature, which is a very academic way of saying another dominant narrative frame, was this repeated call to not destroy, uh, defile, or steal things from temple trees. And the, 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 the constant refrain that it is our tax money that has gone here, it is for us to kind of be here, this is our space. But not our space to steal from, and there was also a viral video that went up at the time of uh, individuals sweeping um, and cleaning up uh, the temperature's kitchen. So extraordinary stuff, really. Um, uh, and then on 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 the next slide, you have this uh, you know this uh, photo. Uh, I've got this from the Daily Mirror. Really, um, sorry my call from my mom, um, that really represented um, the crowd in front of uh, the parliamentary secretariat. Um, And, you know, you would think that this is photoshopped, uh, but it's not. Now, at the same time, slide 62 goes into disinformation, uh, and there were five specific ways in which disinformation was um, present, or at least five dominant ways that I was looking at it. Uh, to deflect, to deny, to decry, to distract, and to dilute um, the Aradalea's core narratives So, slide 63 is around deflection. Um, and all of this, by the way, is with a view to undermining what at the time was the Aradalea's co-narrative, co-called, what it was calling for, and what it stood for, and what also important it stood against. So, One of the ways in which disinformation, you know, tried to capture the Aragalia was to distract from this call for accountability. So on slide 64, if you start from the right, there was something fascinating that was going on where, for example, this page that at the time was called Colombo Tribune, but was created in February 2013 as AIA Insurance Lanka, which is actually a recognized insurance provider over time then changed to Vile Safari and then in 2016 changed to Colombo Tribune, was running sponsored ads or boosted content at the time around what you see on the left-hand side, which is an interesting deflection because it was presenting and promoting that the country's calamitous collapse was the consequence of everybody in Parliament. And not just go down there. So it was deflecting attention away from the president and redirecting it to an anger directed at everybody in government. So there was a very interesting strategic narrative creation and promotion, including through a boosted content uh, on Facebook at the time. And then on slide 65, you see again, boosted synchronized content that, was associated with pages that have historically been pro-Mahindra or pro-Rajapaksa that were also promoting and producing this narrative. As well as, interestingly, the representation and the mirroring of this narrative on talk shows at the time that were coming out of Adhidharma. So, uh, it was really interesting to find that synchronicity and compatibility of narratives that were being promoted clandestinely, uh, but highly strategically online on Facebook alone, and then also from uh, more mainstream media platforms uh, like Adhaderna. Then slide 66 is around denying the legitimacy of the Aragalaya. So undermining the raison d'etre of the Aragalaya. And then you have this, disinformation producer par excellence uh, iraj and what he did on his facebook and insta pages so this is a again a study in and of itself um but it was through the capture and promotion of content that was very interesting um some of this content went down about a, a couple of hours after it went up or a day after it went up and you don't quite know why, whether it was reported or whether the individual took it down. But in in the totality of the content and the significant engagement that each post got on Insta and Facebook uh, respectively was to deny the legitimacy of the Aragalia, to so suggest that it was, um, dr- you know, drunk youth um, or just people going to have a bloody good time and Gun or Natal. Um, And so the projection of the Aragornia was a space and a place where people went to have a good time or to get high, to take drugs or to get drunk. So that was the dominant uh, projection of it. And slide 68 is the evolution of some of those disinformation frames where uh, Iraj also tried to usurp the go-home, go-to hashtag by selling content that was overtly partial to the Aragalaya but profited him so that he could then say that anybody who was sporting this t-shirt was actually not aware of anything other than just buying merchandise and thus making the into again something um, that was populated by people who didn't really understand what they were standing for. And could easily be duped. So this is highly sophisticated disinformation strategy, offline and online. And then you also had stuff like anonymous leaks promoted by this platform called Lanka E News, which is actually, actually quite a quite a quite a popular platform that put out content that at first was entirely believable, but absolutely incredible. So it was you know these hyper inflated, absolutely false um accounts and numbers associated with corruption and whatnot, even linked to the Rajboxes. And the point about this was that the ability to remove what people believe to be the truth is in and of itself a disinformation strategy because you then erase the ability to deal with what is actually true by making it out to be that everything is false and can be falsified. So this is actually a Russian disinformation script. Um, and, uh, you know, what I put up on Twitter and, you know, subsequently was picked up was on was, please don't share this, please don't believe it, um, because it is intended to kind of misdirect and misguide you. Then on slide 69 was this strange, really bizarre case of an American called... Tony Kartalucci, who goes under the name or pseudonym of Brian Bertalectic, who was promoting the Russian disinformation script and focusing on Sri Lanka's Aragalia. So it really did your head in and it was the first of its kind that I had studied. So slide 70 is this individual who's based in Thailand, who put up three YouTube videos at the time, purporting that the Aragalia was an American design supported by entities like the National Endowment for Democracy or the CIA that was then picked up and promoted by accounts like Battlement LK, which many of you may be familiar with, still very active, that at the time had visual a profile and a banner image that, visually aligned itself with Putin and the Kremlin and the invasion of Ukraine that is now associated with a very pro-China discourse. So these are bizarre accounts that were putting this out. And slide 71 is, uh, you know, uh, it's not just the only examples. Uh, It was heavily going after. This account was heavily going after um, fact checkers like Yuda and Watchdog as platforms, and also um, uh, the, the 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 production by Block and Dino, um, you know that was put up um, on YouTube, um, and 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 capturing the totality of this content and all of the actors who were involved in uh, their pro- production and presentation as somehow being in the service of the pay of or. Uh, controlled by uh, the Americans uh, and this deep, dark state narrative. So that slide 72 is a word cloud representation of what at the time was the Battlement LK's um, tweet signature. And you can see that, you know, there is a really strong emphasis on China and all of the, uh, you know, United States and Washington, um, uh, you know, are very large because they are also mentioned quite heavily and that's all uh, uh, in, 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 in content frames and tweets that are hostile to the US. And Myanmar comes up quite a bit because it purports that the uh, coup at the time, the, the the tweets were promoting that the coup in Myanmar was also somehow linked to the CIA. So these was really bizarre accounts that were trying to influence the perception of the Arakadeh. Then on slide 73, you also had destruction. Um, and so this is also another tactic employed, a strategy that was employed. So slide 74, um, you had a constellation of Facebook pages producing and promoting content in concert. So they were um, putting it out um, across these page pages um, uh, simultaneously. Um, that kind of, in the next slide, 75, um, suggested that, um, you know it 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 really is something that um, is is linked to the NPP or JVP and so you know it's this NPP or JVP thing um, you know that uh, you know they, it it platformed morally and what he said at the time which wasn't very critical of Gota uh, and then it was also trying to reframe that uh, the the real arab is to somehow relook the country which is a political statement um that kind of talked about development without really talking about th- the reasons why the country found itself in its in the place it was at the time and then on slide 76 you also had the more racist um tropes uh, and late motives and visual symbolism the usual awful horrific racist targeting of suma SU- mp sumandiran uh, and obviously the tna um You also had, you know, I haven't put it up, but you also had the targeting of Muslims, some really horrible stuff, particularly during Urdu time as well. Um, And then you also had other targeting and other, uh, you know, other frames, uh, including um, the specific targeting of um, Anura, AKD, and the JVP as well. And then on slide 77, you also had, you know, the targeting of the Aragalea as an NGO construct, as something that was dollar-driven. Uh, or something that, you know, that presentation of the foodstuffs there um, is a conspiratorial uh, framing um, suggesting that it's the JVP behind it and that the JVP is funded by some um, entity that was linked to the U.S., you know, and so this dollar ko, um or, or the presentation of everybody is partial to um, uh, you know Prabhakar and, and the LTTE, i.e., meaning that they're terrorists, and you know you shouldn't believe them. So this was the kind of framing that was also there. And then slide seventy-eight, um, you know, you can you know it's self-evident the kind of targets from the individual through to specific uh, vote bases through to um, specific political parties, and a lot of this was uh, strategically seeded and spread on a number of pages, numbering in the hundreds. It's just that at the time it was suppressed by the tsunami of pro-Aragalia content. But it's really interesting that this was an active campaign around disinformation to color and undermine the Aragalia that was ongoing at the time. So slide 79 is when things kind of uh, start uh, taking a very different turn. after the 9th of July, the Aragalea, from within the Aragalea, it started to splinter. Uh, and then you saw, uh, this is a representation of uh, social network analysis on hundreds of thousands of tweets and thousands of accounts on Twitter with the two hashtags, Gota," Go and Go Ranil." And the point of the exercise is, to very simply put it, um, you saw a split for the first time in the larger Aragalea narrative of the go-home Gota narrative and then uh, an embryonic but still significant go-home runil narrative. The go-home runil narrative as given birth to by the larger go-home Gota narrative and not everybody in the go-home Gota narrative partaking in partial to or promoting the go-home runil narrative. So there was a clear disconnect between the two. And then the next slide kind of, you know, makes that a bit more evident and obvious um, in its uh, visual clarity. And here, the way to read this is that every individual color represents a particular constellation of accounts linked to one particular account that is dominant uh, and that is the most highly influential. Um, Because I don't want to give out too much, uh, I haven't named the accounts, but these would-be accounts linked to activists um, who are well-known or arose to prominence as a consequence of the Aragane, um, or just, you know, news personalities uh, or just individuals really. I mean, you know, there are ordinary individuals who arose into some prominence uh, as vital nodes on Twitter uh, because of the Aragale and during the time of the Aragale. So slide eighty one is about constant campaigns and also the kind of things that were done during the time of the Arigalea, uh, again with a view to presenting competing stories that try to distract one, one's attention from the. Arigalea. So um I looked at uh, a particular constellation of pages linked to influence operations and that that's a very specific term um when 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 somebody like myself uses that term, it means that, there is a actor or account that is strategic and exclusively devoted to the promotion and production of content around disinformation frames that are intended, that intend to um, mislead a specific audience. So you're influencing public perceptions, attitudes um, and behaviors and responses and reactions. So that's what influence operations are about. So it's not just a willy-nilly really, really term. It, it means a particular thing, and you can see that in relation to the protest pages and commentary and content around the Aragalaya, it was flatlining. Right? It was absolutely negligible, not absent. You can see that the the the, the, the engagement is still in the millions, but when you compare it to just the pro protest pages that I said was about a nine hundred and sixty that I was studying, it really pales into insignificance. Which is, in a sense, another way of reading this is to see the strength of the Aragalia in that time from uh, end of, uh, well, from the first week of April uh, through to the end of July. But now look at slide 83. And this is where at least those on the space, in mean, the space would, it, it would give pause to consider, particularly if you're on, uh, or belong to a society organization or NGO. This is that same influence page constellation plotted against a constellation of Facebook pages that for doctoral research I looked at linked to NGOs and civil society organizations um, in the country. And so all of the prominent ones that you can think of are in that constellation. And here, look at that. I mean, influence operations, equips the page output and engagement with that output linked to Um, well-known, the entire constellation of well-known pages associated with leading civil society uh, uh, CSOs and NGOs. So, the question that I present there is that one of the things we need to consider is and this is an open question, by the way, is, and I think the answer is evident in the representation of the data, whether what CSOs and NGOs had till the Aranalia maybe being fighting for and promoting and really struggling around suddenly moved into a different set and constellation of pages on meta itself. so it, the, the, the 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 conversation and the content and the commentary and the engagement and the the emotional debates and all of what was going on um, wasn't really happening on civil society pages. It was happening elsewhere. Uh, and so that's something that 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 is worth considering. But it's also worth considering that the degree to which influence operations eclipsed the the civil society uh, output and engagement at the time. So a lot, particularly now, as we speak today, um, would be you know really sad by I suppose some of what I have you know captured here, and remembering that time, uh, and more concerned with what the hell happened to that what the hell did it achieve at the end of the day because we still seem to be caught in a groundhog day with nothing much that has materially or meaningfully changed. And so it's interesting because slide 85 um, uh, in late July, the third week of July, gave a hint at what was to come and what is now much more present today. And what is really interesting is the three the 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 promotion of ranil vikrama at the time through facebook networks that were partial to at one point the raj boxes so this is really really interesting so that april 7th capture of the the sipakma epa page constellation was by end of July, the same page constellation running pro-RW content. So the question that arises is why? Why is a pro-Rajapaksa constellation now suddenly changed its mind and running pro- uh, and, and, and a concerted strategic content propping up the now president? But also in slide 86, you also had the enduring pushback of Gotabe. And Gotabia's comments were still closed by September. And I don't know whether they're still closed. I think they are, but I, I haven't checked really. But even by September, they were closed. But you still had people with the dominant reaction of haha. So, whatever the hell that he put up, including congratulatory messages uh, for the cricket team, the dominant reaction was haha. So, it was still the visible uh, rejection of Gotabia. And then whatever that Nama Raja rajabaksa put up on Twitter invariably resulted in being ratioed with commentary and quote and uh, tweets in, in response that made fun of whatever that he said. So in that sense, uh, in the way to read this without being too unkind to the two gentlemen framed here is to read the reaction on Facebook and the reactions on Twitter as the rejection of the Raj Boxers, um, as a continuing content signature uh, on social media. But then you have something that I think is quite relevant to today, which is something that academics call the region beta paradox, where the presentation of something today is from the lens or narrative frame that there was a much worse time in the past and that one should be grateful for what one has today. So this is actually, I mean, you can read up more about it. I won't talk more about it because these are all googleable terms. And it's kind of the representation that is in a different way, what is now recognized as the stability narrative. That one needs stability, which is the sub, it, it subsumes everything else that the Argalia wanted. So all of the Ar- 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 Argalia narratives are subsumed and suppressed as a consequence of the projection of the, what we call the meta-narrative or the dominant narrative that things are better now in relation to what they were in the past, so let's not rock the boat too much. And this is, the technical term is called, or the analytical term is called the region beta paradox. And this is very, very 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 evident Um with regards to um, i mean this is uh, the, this represent this graph is a uh, a representation of the um the, the mike uh, rather the 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 uh, facebook account of uh, the presidential um uh, the the the, the, the Rani account uh, and so you you could see that you know after Uh, July, the number of likes significantly increased. And you know, I can't, it's too detailed to go into this lecture, but if you take a look at actually what the, uh, sorry, this is the PMD uh, page, not Raleigh's page, it's the PMD page. Raleigh's page uh, on Facebook remains largely inactive, but the PMD page has consistently put up posts that present the president in a particular manner. And you can see that there is a staggering significant increase in the number of likes and this is the representation of the stability drop, which is actually the region beta paradox. Um, so it's a it's also a strategic um, a way to divert attention and critical commentary away from the current president. But you also have, in terms of the Aragalea's enduring um, impact, uh, this was, you know, just a few days uh, before my public lecture in January where there was a interview that Namal did um, that kind of sliced and diced was put up on Facebook, on TikTok, on Twitter and on YouTube and everywhere it went up, people were in comments and in reactions where it was possible um, really pushing back on what Nama said and how so this is quite significant because you know, if you're talking about regime succession um, this is the rejection of succession This is the rejection of what to Sri Lanka or who to Sri Lanka is the equivalent of Bombang Makas in the Philippines. So whether this has staying power is a different question altogether. But there is enduring rejection. And, you know, slide 90 are some of the comments. And it's really interesting to go into the Sinhala commentary. And I keep telling this to diplomats because they just don't get it that if you just look at the English content, or you don't get somebody who can help you understand the significance of what is being published in single. So It's not just a translation, but it's the situated awareness to communicate what is being said. And how you realize immediately that the Aragarya is still very much alive. In the commentary that is being produced, particularly in relation with the representations of the Rajapaksas or the, uh, the content produced by the Rajapaksas themselves. So slide 91 really is my contribution to what many on this Twitter space may feel as a profound sadness that the Aragania didn't result in anything tangible. And I would argue to you that what I see even today in the Way that I study social media, and the commentary studied at scale and in singular alone, is a qualitatively different timber tone and thrust, and critique and narrative and um, engagement with all of these issues that simply didn't exist at all, or existed only in niche communities before the Aragal. So it's a radical revision in political communication and debate and commentary uh, around all of these issues, and so that's something that you know is 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 a really enduring signature, at least until today, um, around what started off with. The Aragalaya on social media. So I've talked for far too long, Priyanga. Um, I apologized and I thank those still left on the call who were present at the beginning of the call for sticking through it. Um, and I think um, the chief moderator, um, uh, Priyanga, will uh, open this up for 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 some questions and um, in the time that we have left. Uh, thanks again. Um, and as I said, the the, the presentation is online. Um, please use it as you see fit, um, and I believe a, record, a recording of this Twitter Space will also be available after the event um, for for to to use and um, uh, you know uh, share as you see fit. Thank you.